The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. A Saturday podcast replacing uh, a Missing Friday podcast for all of you. Um, I'm actually glad we're doing a podcast today because we've got a lot of NCAA tournament action uh, to discuss, and we can preview Maryland-UConn tonight. And for those of you that get this in time, um, a quick preview of the Georgetown-Colorado game, which goes first. I am hopeful of having Chris Cooley on this podcast today. We had an agreed-upon time this morning to discuss Chris Samuel and other things, uh, to have his you know, film breakdown of Chris Samuel and a discussion about Chris Samuel. We may have to wait until Monday um, because he wasn't available at the time that we thought we were going to get together. Who knows? Could have been my fault. Uh, for those of you listening to the radio show yesterday, you know that I had another incident as I was getting into my car yesterday morning to come to the radio show. A big old branch fell from a tree and... It was pretty windy and knocked me on the back of the head. Uh, but I got through the show yesterday, and um, I'm glad we didn't do a show yesterday because we've got a lot of games to talk about. What a crazy day in the NCAA tournament. I wanted to start real quickly with just acknowledging what Alex Ovechkin did last night because I guess for whatever reason I caught it on Twitter that he had just scored two goals in the third period to rally Washington to their seventh straight win. All of a sudden, you know, he's got a goal scoring uh, streak. He's now the leading goal scorer on the team, which he wasn't just a few games ago. For those of you um, that followed it this week, he moved into sole possession of sixth place on the NHL career goals list. Uh, passing Esposito, and he got goals 719 and 720 last night. He's just amazing. He's amazing, and I know it's the regular season, but it seems as he's gotten older, he's become more of a clutch time deliverer for this team. Uh, this is going to be a story as we get into you know, late April and May or mid-April and May. They're going to be in the postseason. They're going to be um, a very high seed at this point. They've got the most points right now in the NHL. They've got 44 points tied with Tampa Bay. Um, now they have the Islanders right on their heels in their division. Um, Pittsburgh seven points back. The Bruins are eight points back. I know there are some very good teams, and I know only 30 games have been played so far. But the Caps, man, are rolling. And it was this portion of the schedule 
that I had, I think, Joe Beninati on the show um, about two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. And, you know, he suggested, you know, this this portion of the schedule after they had beaten um, New Jersey a couple of times, it included Boston twice. It it included uh, Philadelphia three times, the Islanders, the Rangers, um, and they are just rolling through this portion of the schedule. The only game they've they've actually won seven in a row, but they've won 11 of their last 12. And the one game they lost was that 5-1 loss to Boston, the game where Tom Wilson uh, was suspended um, for seven games. Uh, By the way, now that they've got a seven-game winning streak since then, am I right to assume that Tom Wilson comes off the suspension and will be playing in the next game? Um, I think he's done serving the seven-game suspension for the big hit on Boston defenseman Brandon Carlo in that 5-1 loss. Uh, So um, he should be eligible, I believe, for the next game. Uh, But uh, kudos to the Caps who are really rolling right now. I know it's the regular season. I know the sport is a completely different sport when they get to the postseason. But they got to get to the postseason. And there were a lot of good teams in their division. And only the top four will qualify. It's a slightly different playoff format this year with the top four in each one of these divisions in this COVID-19 season qualifying. There's no, you know, wild cards where two, uh, you know, an additional team from a division, a fifth team from a division um, could actually make it as well. The top four are going to make it, but right now, the Caps are 11 points clear of the Flyers who are in fifth place. So they're well on their way to a postseason uh, berth and uh, seeing Alex Ovechkin and company in the postseason again. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Ovechkin, just freaking amazing. You know, it's I, I'm not a big hockey guy. Most of you know that. I don't sit here and watch regular season hockey. I do really enjoy it in the postseason. All right. But Ovechkin was stuck, you know, uh, you know, on um, a, a goal scoring number prior to uh, this month. That was, you know, he was behind where he typically is, and he has erupted for, uh, I think it's now six goals in the last five games for him. Six goals in his last five games. He's been a big part of their win streak. Uh, All right, I want to get to the college hoops from yesterday. And again, I am hopeful that Chris Cooley will join us on the podcast today. And if he doesn't, we will do a Chris Samuel breakdown on Monday. Uh, He's very busy. He's very active out in Wyoming. He is living the Wyoming life. Uh, as he has told us, he's got all the toys. He's a fisherman. He's a skier. Uh, he's a four-wheeler. He is a snowmobiler. Uh, he's into the whole scene out there. By the way, I've decided after many conversations with Chris, not really on the podcast but off of it, they're never coming back from Wyoming. They love it way too much out there. And it does seem from afar sort of a nice way to live. I don't know, man. I don't know if I could do rural living. I like being closer to a city. I would live in the city. I would live in New York. I would live in San Francisco, or at least the way San Francisco used to be. Uh, I lived in Boston 
for, and I, when I say I lived in Boston, I commuted back and forth to Boston for a year and a half, up, up Monday, back Friday, many years ago. I love Boston. Um, I like cities. I like being close. I, I wish I lived in a spot where I, I could put my windows, open up my windows at night, at night and just hear traffic and sirens and horns. I like that. Um, I don't think uh, I would do uh, particularly well for a long period of time in a very rural setting. However, there is something attractive about it Um, and simple um, at the same time. Uh, I'm sure he just forgot that he was supposed to come on the podcast today, even though we talked about it last night. And uh, he got up and went fishing this morning. That's uh, what I bet. Or took his kids skiing. He does so much with his two young kids, which... uh, I'm glad he's being able to enjoy that part of his life. Most of you know it's such a great part of of uh, of a parent's uh, existence is when those kids are young, they want to be with you, and they want to do things with you all the time. Um, uh, so he's got a lot of choices out there, too. All right, I want to get to the college basketball, um, and we will do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Today's smell test coming up. uh, That'll be the next segment. Um, It's doing pretty well so far, knock on wood. I don't necessarily feel great about the picks today because I have too many favorites, which is never something I'm comfortable with, but it was the favorites today that fit the smell test criteria more than the underdog. So I will get to that next segment, but the smell test through the first two days of the tournament, including the first four, is seven and three. Uh, against the number. Uh, had UCLA on Thursday night, and then I was 6-3 and three yesterday. So we will recap that, in the, recap that in a few minutes, and I'll give you uh, my thoughts on today um, as well. And by the way, I'm putting those picks out this weekend on Twitter uh, as well. All right, um, want to just rip through yesterday's game. It was a wild day. First of all, three overtime games uh, on the day, um, including two shocking upset overtime games where two Big Ten teams fell. And I got all of your tweets last night. Sheehan, how's that Big Ten doing now? Um, How's that greatest conference in the history of college basketball doing now? 
Well, you know, they still have six teams remaining. They were three and three yesterday as a league. Um, but really, if they were going to go three and three yesterday, you wouldn't have selected Purdue and Ohio State to be two of the three losses. I totally get it. Um, if you were expecting the Big Ten to be three and three in this tournament, Michigan State may have been a loss, and then you probably would have guessed Wisconsin and Rutgers. Um, Wisconsin and Rutgers rolled. Um, Ohio State and Purdue were the big upset victims. Let me go through almost chronologically um, the day yesterday because it started with one of the three overtime games. Florida rallying to beat Virginia Tech in overtime 75-70. to I gave out Florida as a lean on the radio show, did not give them out as a smell test pick, and there was no point in which I would have ever been confident with that pick. I did play it personally, um, and they ended up coming back and winning the game. They were very, very fortunate, um, however, um, to uh, to survive their end of, of regulation um, bungles. I mean, I don't understand, for you coaches out there and for you people who really know basketball, and I've mentioned this before, and it's been one of my criticisms of my favorite team, um, Maryland, uh, but it, they're not the only team that does it, and every single time they do it, I mention, they're not the only team that does it. I don't know why coaches don't have five go-to inbounds plays to get the ball inbounds to a ball handler and a really good free-throw shooter in a spot against full-court pressure, especially man pressure. It's always easier to get the ball inbounds against zone pressure because they're going to leave a spot to throw the ball to, and you're going to find an open spot. You're not going to be guarded man-to-man. Florida did the thing that many teams do where they basically just say to their athletes, get open. Well, they didn't get open. And they bungled a couple of inbounds passes, and they missed some free throws, and Virginia Tech hit a three to force overtime, and then Florida won the game in overtime. By the way, Colin Castleton, 19 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks for Florida. You know, one of the big men in the tournament yesterday that really made a difference, because it was one of those days where guards, and we see this every single tournament, Guards that can really handle, can really break down a defense, and can really score end up being a major problem for teams. Uh, See uh, Oral Roberts, which we'll get to here uh, in a few moments. Um, But that was a good win for Florida, who is a team that's been very inconsistent coming in. And it was also the beginning of a very bad day for the ACC. They'll have a chance to rectify that today, um, but it was not a good day for the ACC. The focus was on how bad of a day it was for the Big Ten. The ACC was 1-4 and yesterday with their only win um, being Syracuse. The Arkansas-Colgate game, man, Colgate gave him some issues, but you could tell early on that Arkansas's defense and their athleticism was going to be too much. And one of the things that you typically do see in these higher-seeded teams against these small uh, conference teams, I'm not talking about mid-majors. I'm talking about the Patriot League, you know, um, is that – They just can't hold up defensively. And then when you throw a lot of athleticism at uh, at them defensively, it ends up being a problem. Colgate had a big first-half lead, um, but Arkansas got to the rim 
without any resistance, and it just pulled away. Um, Justin Smith was outstanding, had 29 points, 13 rebounds, five steals, and two blocks. So Arkansas and Musselman um, move on. He's doing an outstanding uh, job there. Illinois had no problem as a one seed. Um, one of the smell test picks that I gave out yesterday, Utah State plus four, I liked them to win the game outright. It was weird, man. They were up six early in the second half, and then in about you know a 10-minute period of real time, they were down 10. Um, Texas Tech, I've watched them a lot this year, and I've watched a lot of the Big 12 teams, and I think the Big 12 in this tournament is very interesting All right, so far, um, and it will be again today. Texas Tech really was inconsistent, especially, you know, sometimes scoring. But, man, do they defend. You know, Chris Beard's teams, going back to the team that we last saw in a tournament in a championship game, really get after it uh, defensively. And Mac McClung, um, you know, the the Georgetown transfer, um, you know, did a great job with the rest of them defensively. He did not shoot the ball well early. Um, in that game, had a much better second half um, in that game. And Texas Tech, you know, ends up rolling um, past Utah State in easy fashion, 65-53 in a game that they trailed by three at halftime. And at one point, I think they were down six or eight early uh, in the second half. McClung finished with 16, but I thought it was Texas Tech's defense that held Utah State, a pretty good three-point shooting team, to four for 19 from the floor. Um, Texas Tech moves on. Interestingly, they are a one-point favorite over Arkansas and a six over a three game tomorrow. The six is a slight favorite in the early line. Uh, Baylor beat Hartford 79-55. Look, I'll just tell you, um, Baylor's rounding back into form a little bit. They're just so good defensively, and that's where they can really wreak havoc. They can turn you over. Um, and make it a, a really difficult for you. They had 15 steals in the game, 15 um, in the game. For me, the most entertaining part of the game was having Hartford plus the 25 and a half. I thought it was over. I mean, at one point they were down 27 or 29. And then all of a sudden, with about two minutes to go, both teams emptied their benches. Baylor came in with guys that looked more athletic. Hartford, uh, out of their league, came in with a bunch of guys that looked like they had played rec ball in high school. And yet, somehow, those guys got me three straight layups at the end of the game to get the backdoor cover 79-55. to uh, The shocker of the day, of course, was, there are two of them, major shockers, Oral Roberts upsetting number two, Ohio State. You know, I wish I had talked more about this. This is easy to do, obviously, in hindsight. Um, Ohio State played very well last week at the Big Ten tournament, losing to Illinois in that Big Ten final uh, in overtime. Uh, And Ohio State played well all weekend long uh, last week in Indianapolis. But they had not played well coming into the Big Ten tournament. And one of the things that they had not done, you know, very well, um, you know, a lot this year was closeout games. Um, they uh, had a four-game losing streak going into the Big Ten tournament. They had a really good game, high-level game against Michigan, against Michigan State where they blew a lead, couldn't close it out, Um, and against Illinois where they were right there and they had a a lead late, and Illinois went on like a 9-0 run to win the game at the end. Um, And, you know, they had chances, obviously, against Illinois um, in the Big Ten tournament uh, as well. And, by the way, nearly blew. They did close out Michigan in the semifinals, but nearly blew 
um, a lead um, in that semifinal game against Michigan. Uh, they had a, a lead in the second half of like 11, I think it was, against Michigan. Um, and then uh, they ended up blowing that lead um, and holding on. I mean, Michigan had the ball down one with a chance to win. Ohio State was um, without Kyle Young, so understand they were out with uh, they were without one of their best players, especially their best one of their best all around players and their toughest player. Um, they were without in that game, um, and Oral Roberts had the leading scorer in the country. Um, in this guy, Mac uh, Absis, um, who, you know, uh, went off in the game. But really, it was this guy, Kevin Obenor, who was outstanding in the game at the end of regulation and in, in the overtime. Ohio State played tight. They had a four-point lead and had two possessions in the final two minutes of the game and turned the ball over twice, and they missed free throws in the game. You know, in a close game like that, you know, in a game in which you're tight, they got to the free throw line. Uh, they had opportunities. They were 9 for 18 from the free throw line, and a couple of them were front ends of one-and-ones. Um, they, I really thought, that, you know, it was a – put it this way. Watching the game, and I watched a lot of this game – you felt the entire way that Oral Roberts had a very good chance to win this game. They were up to the occasion, and they had a guard that was just purely uncheckable um, in the leading scorer in the country, in Abmis, uh, Absis, or however it's pronounced. Obinor was outstanding. The two of them combined for 59. Obinor had 30. Abmis uh, had 29. Um, they were a combined 10 for 22 from behind the arc. Uh, Obinor didn't miss a free throw did not miss a free throw and Ohio State was nine for 18 from behind the line Um, and Dwayne Washington tried to play too much hero ball at the end but they still I mean think think about this okay just for a moment this was a game in which Ohio State out rebounded Oral Roberts by 17 Oral Roberts only shot 35 and a half percent from the floor Ohio State shot 43.5% from the floor. If you had seen those numbers and and that rebound differential, you would have never thought Ohio State lost that game. They lost it at the free throw line, and they lost it at the end when they had a 60-56 to lead. I believe it was a four-point lead late. They took a four-point lead at 60-56, to um, which – or maybe it was 64-60. 64-60 was the lead they took. By the way, after um, E.J. Liddell missed a free throw that would have given them a five-point lead with about two and a half to go. They had the they had the four-point lead with a minute to go. They had multiple um, turnovers, and uh, they also, Dwayne Washington, also missed a couple of free throws um, in, the, uh, in the overtime as well. That's a brutal loss for not only Ohio State, but the league, and a really good win for Oral Roberts, who clearly, you know, was one of these teams that probably should have been taken a little bit more seriously. They had a an early season close loss to Oklahoma State. Um, they ha- they played some teams in the SEC like Arkansas um, and Missouri um, early on, so they had played a pretty good non-con schedule. Um, and then they had really gotten onto a roll late in their schedule, um, winning their tournament. Um, it's interesting they are an eight-point underdog tomorrow um, 
in their second round game against Florida, Florida who barely survived uh, Virginia Tech. Um, But that was a big loss for Ohio State. Tough loss for Chris Holtman, who I think does a really good job you know that this is one of those you know th- this is one of those situations like Chris Holtman is a very well respected coach in college basketball all right at Ohio State now that's 4 years and he has been knocked out uh he's not gotten to the second weekend of the tournament yet all right he's been knocked out in the first weekend of the tournament now in 3 of those 4 years they would have been a tournament team last year you know they would have been a, a decent seed in the in the field last year He's a damn good coach. Um, he just lost in the first round, um, and he had lost twice in the second round in his first two years um, at Ohio State. All right, uh, let's continue through the rest of the day and try to rip through these uh, real quickly. First of all, Loyola Chicago um, knocking off Georgia Tech. I had said to everybody I thought this had a chance to be the game of the tournament. Moses Wright was ruled out the best player, the ACC player of the year for Georgia Tech. I liked Georgia Tech in the game. I did not give them out as a smell test pick. I did not play them either, but I watched this game. First of all, Loyola Chicago is so good and so well coached, man. Porter Moser does a phenomenal job. Again, Georgia Tech without their best player, center Moses Wright, ACC Player of the Year, that hurt. But Georgia Tech had an early lead, and then they fought back and tied it in the second half. This game yesterday, and I watched basketball like many of you did, start to finish. This was the worst one-sided officiated game of the day. I love both of these teams, by the way. I did not have a rooting interest other than Jose Alvarado, who I love for Georgia Tech. He was the defensive player of the year in the ACC. He played all 40 minutes in the game, and he was outstanding. Now, here's a guy that averages three steals a game and has had uh, five steals or more seven times. He didn't have one steal in the game. Loyola Chicago does such a great job offensively of running efficient offense. And by the way, they can stretch it or they can go in the post with that guy Crutwick if you remember him, he was on that Final Four team uh, from a few years ago. Um, they're just a really, really well-coached team. They can really hit some big threes. The ball moves. But that game was horrifically officiated. In the game, Georgia Tech, who was super aggressive in the game, super aggressive going to the rim, All right. They only shot 10 threes in the entire game. They were trying to get the ball to the rim. They had 19 fouls. Loyola Chicago, nine fouls. Loyola Chicago, 27 threes, a real perimeter attack. Georgia Tech going inside, going to the rim. Georgia Tech shot five free throws. Loyola Chicago shot 15. A disparity of 10 fouls in the game. Loyola Chicago was never, uh, Georgia Tech in uh, both halves never reached, never even came close to reaching the bonus. It was criminal to watch this game get officiated. Now, I'm not suggesting it was done on purpose, but every single call Um, that was close, went against Georgia Tech, and then there were three to four calls that were absolutely horrific. Alvarado drew a charge, stripped the ball. Worst case should have been a jump ball. Best case should have been a charge, and they called a block. And then at the other end, there was what should have been called a charge, and it was called a charge, but it was uh, essentially – um, a, a the exact same play, and I'm not saying that they didn't they weren't consistent on those two, but it was a huge, 
huge loss on the other end because it was a big possession. They had gotten the lead down, I think it was 59-54 when it happened. Um, But my God, watching that game, it was like every time the the whistle blew, I'm like, well, that call wasn't the correct call. Um, And Josh Passner, the uh, Georgia Tech coach, is really sort of passive. He doesn't really work the refs. Loyola Chicago, Illinois in a second round game. Very interesting to me. Loyola Chicago can control tempo, tempo. they guard, um, and they're just really well coached. Uh, Sister Jean back at it again. She's there. I don't know how coherent and how much she's, you know, sort of understanding what's going on, but it was lovely to see her. And that team is going to give Illinois, uh, I think, a, a tough game tomorrow. I think it's the first game of the day tomorrow. Uh, Tennessee was a smell test pick. That did not work out uh, as an eight-point favorite. Oregon State continues their run 12 over a five yesterday. They shocked people by taking the Pac-12 tournament by storm. Um, And uh, the bottom line is that Tennessee has been one of these teams all year long that's very good defensively but has struggled to score, and that's what happened um, yesterday. Uh, Oklahoma State was in a tough game with Liberty for most of it, pulled away late. Uh, Cade Cunningham, who is going to be um, the number one pick, um, I think he's he, at this point, he's got a good chance to be the number one pick um, in the draft. That was a competitive game. They were actually down um, at the half, um, but Cunningham ended up um, uh, with 15 points and a couple of big shots late, even though um, he had a rough day uh, from the field. But Oklahoma State, uh, the Big 12 uh, team that really made a run here at the end of the year, and a lot of people thought that they were uh, very underseeded. Um, coming into this draw, um, they beat uh, Liberty um, by the score of 69 to 60. Um, Wisconsin last night, uh, you know, other than Illinois, the most impressive Big Ten uh, team. Um, I loved Wisconsin in this game, talked about it. I thought it was a mismatch against Carolina. Carolina's got size, but they're just not a good offensive team. They're a very inconsistent team. And I really thought that Wisconsin would be able to get uh, offensively what they wanted. And Brad Davison and Dimitri uh, Trice were just outstanding in the game. You know, both of them, if you're a Big Ten fan, you know this. It seems like they've been there uh, forever. Um, they are the oldest team, I think, on average in the NCAA. In fact, uh, they put up a a stat during the game that Wisconsin's average age is actually older than the Chicago Bulls' average age. And remember, all these guys are allowed to come back next year. Um, But Davison was 5 of 7 from behind the arc, uh, had 29. He and Trice combined for 50 of the 85. Um, And that's, you know... Uh, Carolina, you know, out uh, the earliest they've been since 1999 when they lost to Weber State in the first round, and one of the worst losses I think Carolina has ever taken um, in the NCAA uh, tournament. Um, it was a beatdown. Wisconsin, I believe, is a good matchup. Um, I think ba- I think is a tough matchup. Excuse me for Baylor. I give them uh, a chance tomorrow. I really do. Houston is one of those teams, man. If you've been following college basketball this year. Um, and you bet the sport. Houston beats people um, like worse than I think anybody beats teams. They they finish the season twenty five to three, but they've got so many wins of literally like forty or more points. They won by thirty one against Cleveland State. Their defense is so good. Kelvin Sampson's so good. He's such a good coach. He's won everywhere he's gone. 
Um, but they hold like they they they've beaten people. I'm, I'm looking through their scores here just to give you a few of them. All right. Um, they beat Cincinnati in the conference final, 91 to 54. A few weeks ago, they beat USF 98 to 52. All right, a 46 point win. Um, they beat Western uh, Kentucky by 25. They beat Cincinnati by 38. Um, they beat. Um, well, that's uh, looks like a, a Division three game. Uh, they beat Tulsa by 27. They beat. Um, well, Alcorn State, whatever, by 33. They have just annihilated people this year. There are more of these scores of like 80-something to 40 or 50 to something than you can even believe. They get Rutgers tomorrow. Um, interesting matchup. I like Houston a lot over that Big Ten team. Uh, Purdue, boy, um, what to say? North Texas, a lot of you like North Texas as a, as a perceived short dog and wondered why I did not give them out. I actually gave out the over in the game, which did hit, thankfully, because of overtime. Uh, it would not have hit in regulation. Uh, it needed overtime to go over the total. Purdue started off tight. North Texas had really excellent play um, from um, – Oh Christ! What's the guy's name? Because his first, yeah, I hadn't seen North Texas play. I'm not gonna act like I had seen them play, um, but the guy that led them in scoring, Hamlet, uh, Javion Hamlet, was really good. For, you know, um, as a guy that you know got into the lane and just hit floater after floater after floater, and by the way, was excellent from the free throw line as well. Didn't miss a free throw down the stretch. Purdue had opportunities. Another, you know, couple of big missed free throws, including a front end of a one-and-one late that would have given them a two-point lead at the end of regulation. Um, Travion Williams missed a free throw. Um, They were nine for 30 from behind the arc. I think the biggest issue with Purdue, and I picked them to go to the Final Four, wrong, um, clearly, is they just didn't have a natural point guard. Man, it's so important, you know, in the tournament. And North Texas played outstanding defense. They held Purdue to 36% from the floor. They really neutralized Travion Williams, who they doubled consistently. He did not make good uh, plays out of the double team more times than not. Yet, still, Purdue had a chance late, you know, with with some free throws. And then they got tight in overtime. And they couldn't get anything done. They were forcing and jacking up threes. They stopped going inside. And North Texas pulled away with the second major upset of the day, 78-69, to knocking out a four seed, 13 over a four in that one. So we had a two, uh, 15 over two, and they were the second uh, Big Ten uh, favorite. They were not a heavy favorite. Ohio State was a 15-and-a-half, 16-point favorite. Purdue went off more like seven, seven-and-a-half, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, that's disappointing for me because I'm really a big Matt Painter fan, but it was a tough night, uh, and there, they could not check, um, Hamlet and they could not get, uh, open shots to go down when it mattered. They really struggled offensively, um, which is, uh, unusual for them. Uh, Rutgers beat Clemson last night. It was not a pretty game. Um, man, the excitement from the Rutgers players, it was pretty cool to see. Um, it was really cool to see actually. Um, their first tournament win since 1991. 
Um, Clemson was right there. They had an opportunity. The game was tied late. They had the lead at halftime. Rutgers took an 11-point lead, and Clemson came storming back to tie it. Um, but ultimately, and Miles Johnson, their big center, got hurt at the end of the game. I don't know what this the, the, the injury is. They play Houston. That is a tough matchup tomorrow for Rutgers. I really think that that could get one-sided. Um, Rutgers has been inconsistent, but they've got some – you know, I think they're well coached with Pikele. I think he's done a really good job. I like Geo Baker out of all their players. Um, I think he looks like a pro, and I definitely love Jacob Young and his speed and his playmaking ability. And he was really the catalyst more than anybody was last night. Um, but it was not uh, a pretty game offensively. Um, I think the two teams combined for like 13 of, of 50 from uh, behind the arc. Um, and there were, you know, some turnovers in the game, some ugly turnovers. There were lucky bounces that Rutgers got late off of passes that got deflected to an open guy right at the rim for for an easy basket. Baker had one, and then um, uh, I think it was Young who may have had the other. Or maybe it was Harper. Uh, it may have been Mul- Mulcahy, uh, the Irish kid um, with the bandana. Uh, but Rutgers sort of saves the day for the Big Ten. They end up, end up going 3-3 three and three on the day, um, and it could have been much uglier. Uh, but they knock off uh, the ACC. So it was the Big Ten and their ACC matchups 2-0. and oh, um, Wisconsin totaling, uh, demolishing Carolina. Rutgers beating Clemson. Uh, Syracuse, how about Buddy Beheim, man? Uh, 30 points. At one point, he had 16 consecutive Syracuse points in the first half as they blew out uh, San Diego uh, State. And San San Diego State could never figure out the Syracuse zone. They hurled up 43s in the game and made just 11 of them. Uh, I had Syracuse in the smell test. I also had Nova laying six and a half. I think a lot of people loved Winthrop. They were a trendy 12 over five pick. Nova was giving a pretty big number considering they were without their starting point guard, Colin Gillespie, and will be. Um, but they have a lot of ways to beat you. And God, is Jeremiah Robinson Earl, their freshman big man, is he – he's just got all the moves, man. He has so much old school to his game, but at the same time, he's athletic and he's long. He's good. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. And Nova gets North Texas instead of Purdue. Uh, and then in that final game of the day, uh, West Virginia it was close at times against Moorhead. But Huggins gets his nine. 900th career win, um, just a Hall of Fame coach uh, in my view. They beat Moorhead set State 84-67. to 67. All right, uh, I'll be back with a Saturday smell test right after this word from one of our sponsors. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's, it's time, time for, for the, the smell, smell test. test. All right, this segment brought to you by MyBookie. All right, March is here. The madness has officially begun. Use my promo code at mybookie.ag to secure a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. Again, use my promo code, KevinDC, um, to make sure they know you they, that I hooked you up. Uh, they've got in-game betting. They've got plenty of prop bets, um, and they'll have every single – uh, point spread, total, and money line on all of the games today. Um, not to mention NBA, NHL, no matter the sport, no matter what you want to do, um, in-game, before-game, MyBookie puts the action in your hands um, with plenty of options. Uh, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Use my promo code, KevinDC. 
um, and they will give you a deposit bonus up to $1,000. The the real key with my bookie guys, and I've said this a million times, you can get onto a site that is not credible, that isn't going to pay you if you win. There's a lot of sketchiness out there. If you're new to this, you can trust my bookie. You can trust them. And by the way, if you've got a place already and you're already an experienced better, take the free cash in free bet opportunities um, and use it as a way to comparison shop on point spreads, money lines, pricing, etc. MyBookie.ag, my promo code, Kevin DC. All right. So the smell test yesterday, six and three. I had UCLA. It was, I told you going into this weekend for um, the people that I talked to on the other side of the window, um, it was uh, UCLA was going to be their biggest sweat of the weekend. They knew that on Thursday night. The, the entire betting public was on Michigan State. I gave out UCLA winner. Um, yesterday, uh, I had the under in the Colgate-Arkansas game because everybody thought that this was going to be a 95-94 shootout or not, you know, something like a 102-90, to 90, you know, kind of a game, two fast-paced teams. So I gave out the under with the uh, betting public thinking the game would sail over. That was a winner. Utah State uh, plus uh, the number against Texas Tech did not work out. It looked good for a while. It did not work out. Hartford, uh, we got a little backdoor cover on the plus 25 and a half. Tennessee, not even close, laying the eight and a half. Wisconsin, not even close in our favor as a two-point dog. That game was never in doubt. They won by 23, 85 to 62. Uh, I gave you the over in the Purdue-North Texas game. We got a little lucky with that. Um, You know, it was really trending in the second half back towards an over type of game, and then the scoring went a little bit dead over the final minute, Um, but we got the overtime, which is what we needed, and the game ended up sailing over the total with the OT. Gave you out Syracuse winner uh, plus the three. Nova minus the six and a half. They won by ten. And then I gave out Clemson plus two. Man, it was weird because, you know, the ten was favored over the seven, and sometimes some of you that really follow what I do and even think the same way, you'd be like, Sheehan, the ten's favored over Clemson. Don't you like the ten? Um, the public loved Rutgers in this game, um, and the public won on this game, laying the two uh, against Clemson. Um, Clemson certainly had every opportunity, though, uh, to not only cover but to win the game. All right, so a good day yesterday, a solid day yesterday at 6-3. and three. I am 7-3 and three, um, through the first two days of the tournament. All right, today is um, a day in which I looked at a lot of games. There were a lot of games that f- nearly fit the smell test criteria, which is you know basically looking for the biggest – public plays and going against the public, but it's more than that. I get a lot of information, as I've told you during many football seasons, from many people who I know uh, offshore in various warm locales, um, and I try to find out where the sharp money is and where they have their biggest sweats or their biggest decisions, and they're not really... Um, uh, you know, trying to change that situation, meaning, you know, like the UCLA game the other night, the the betting public, both in number of bets and number of dollars, heavily on Michigan State. Did you see the bookmakers increase the line on Michigan State to a number to try to incent more UCLA action? They didn't. 
They just left it there, too. And they invited all of the Michigan State action that the public wanted to give them. And those are the games that I typically look for. And usually those games involve an underdog. Today, uh, there are a couple that were close, but I didn't put them in there because there was not a perfect storm of public action on one side and sharp action on the other. You know, I talked about liking Ohio all week long plus a short number, and I picked them in my pool to beat Virginia, but there's some late sharp action on Virginia, so I'm staying off that game. I like St. Bonaventure's a little bit. I like Maryland a little bit, you know, as an anti-public favorite, um, but n- Mizzou a little bit, although that game's gone to a pick but none of them really fit totally. The games that fit are the games that I'm worried about because I rarely have all favorites in the smell test, but these were the sides that fit it today, all right? Number one, believe it or not, Michigan as a 25-and-a-half-point favorite today against Texas Southern. People are playing Texas Southern. Michigan's got the injury to livers. They haven't played well coming into this thing. It's a huge number. I like Michigan laying the 25-and-a-half. I think that this is probably, you know, 81-54, to 54. Something like that. I know that that would cut it really close. You know, I don't want to cut it really close, but I think Michigan covers in this game. Um, The books, believe it or not, are going to need a big-time favorite today with Michigan. And I think a lot of it has to do with Texas Southern coming back the other night. People saw them. I didn't think they were very good, by the way. Um, And Michigan having the big injury and not playing uh, very well recently. Um, Michigan is the first selection laying 25-and-a-half. Creighton is laying seven and a half to UCSB. This is one of this is another. Uh, we like this twelve over five, and Creighton. The last time we saw them, not only got beat by Georgetown at one point, they were down by thirty plus in the game, and they got destroyed by Georgetown. And there's a lot of discussion that the the McDermott you know plantation line has disrupted the team. They were uh, they opened at six. They are up to seven and a half. There's a ton of sharp money on Creighton, and there's a lot of public money on this particular 12 seed. I'll take Creighton and lay the seven and a half. Bama's laying a big number to Rick Patino's team, Iona. Maybe that's why the public's on Iona. I don't know. Um, I like Bama laying the 16 and a half. BYU is is laying three and a half to UCLA. Um, do the math on this. UCLA the other night, I had them, and people watched them come back and score 86 and win in overtime over Michigan State. So, you know, of course, they're going to like UCLA today, and the public's betting the shit out of uh, UCLA against BYU. BYU is one of the best three-point shooting teams in America. UCLA could have an injury. Um, uh, with Juzang uh, being potentially out or at least compromised, I like BYU laying the three and a half today. And then I've got two totals. Uh, Ohio scores a lot of points. UVA is not as low scoring a team as they typically have been. People are playing the over 131. I'll take the UVA Ohio under 131. And because UCLA came off an 86-80 win and BYU can score, that number at 139 in the BYU-UCLA game is perceived as low. They're betting the over in that game. I'll take the under in that game as well. There you go. Michigan minus 25.5, 
Creighton minus seven and a half, Alabama minus sixteen and a half, UVA Ohio under one thirty one, BYU minus three and a half, BYU UCLA under one thirty nine. All right, I'll have a Maryland uh, preview when we come back and a quick Georgetown preview as well as that game is about a half an hour as we're doing the podcast here this morning away from tip off. Right after this word from one of our sponsors. Certainly one of the best stories in the tournament are the Georgetown Hoyas. Um, their run through the Big East tournament with Patrick Ewing as their coach um, months after Coach Thompson uh, passed away. Um, an emotional week for the Georgetown family. I mentioned this earlier in the week. Um, I'm so happy for all those people, genuinely happy for those people. I've gotten to know some of those people and obviously got to know Coach real well working for him, working with him, excuse me. We all felt, I guess, at one point we were working for him, which was never an issue, Um, but being in that building with him all the time. um, uh, Really, um, I've told a lot of my longtime Maryland fans this over the years because, you know, we've never made any bones about it in the 80s. We didn't like Georgetown. We didn't want Georgetown to win. Georgetown took attention away from Maryland. They out-recruited Maryland, et cetera. They were a national program. They were a national brand. And Maryland was a really good program with Lefty Drizel. You know, they were uh, going to the tournament every year. They were ranked every year. Um, but Georgetown really took off nationally and, you know, we're in national championship games and won a national championship. And um, I've told so many of my Maryland friends over the years after being in the same building with Coach for so long, I just have a completely different opinion of him. Uh, he is uh, one of my favorite people um, without question. So I am happy for them. I am still, though, as a Maryland fan, I don't want Georgetown to have great success. I don't. It hurts Maryland. And vice versa, by the way. And the hardcore Georgetown people would admit that as well. You know, they are recruiting the same areas. They are looking for supremacy among the two big college programs in this town. You know, all due respect to the Masons and the GWs and the AUs, et cetera. It's Maryland and Georgetown, okay? It's always been that way. It probably will always be that way. They are the heavyweight programs in this area. And so there is a, 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 by default, a competition and rivalry between the two. By the way, I heard that Patrick and Mark Turgeon were going to play each other had this not been a COVID season, that there was going to be a non-conference game scheduled between Maryland and Georgetown. It would have happened sometime in November or December. Um, and that may bode well for the future. We will see. Um, netting it out, I like Colorado today. I think Tad Boyle does a really, really good job. Um, in, uh, in, in Colorado. I mean, they actually have had some real success um, in Colorado. I think that they, um, you know, the, the, the Pac-12, what we may be learning here early in the tournament is it was a better league um, than most people thought. Um, but the bottom line, and I had somebody on from Colorado the other day, they have a senior point guard um, who has uh, had a hell of a season. Guard play really does ultimately you know, tell the tale um, in college basketball this time of year. And uh, their senior point guard, McKinley Wright IV, 
um, is having a great season. Uh, he's a six foot, two hundred pounder. Averages fifteen points, four rebounds, six assists. Is shooting forty eight percent from the floor this year as a senior point guard. Um, also shoots thirty one and a half percent from behind the arc. Not great. Um, very good free throw shooter. Controls the game for Colorado. Tad Boyle's done a really good job there. I like Colorado, but I would certainly not put anything past Georgetown and their chances to do something. Certainly after their run last week, um, they have uh, size, they are playing defense, they are well coached, and their freshman point guard, Harris, has done a really nice job. I like Colorado to win and cover, partly because the public's on Georgetown. Colorado nearly made the smell test, um, but... uh, but it should be, you know, I think there's a chance that it's a good game. Look, Georgetown's playing on emotion right now, and they could be, you know, they could be one of those Cinderella storybook kind of tournament uh, stories here. You know, they're they're in this 12-5 game, which means they would get a four, you know, in the second round. Um, really interesting spot uh, for the Hoyas uh, here. Um, in this matchup with Colorado, which kicks off the day. Let's get to Maryland, because I'm much more familiar with Maryland, obviously, and even a little bit more familiar with UConn. Look, the bottom line is if Maryland defends and they're able to defend with that smaller lineup where they go with Dante Scott as the five, they're a real difficult team to deal with, especially if they start making shots. They're able to switch every screen, which in in essence really acts like sort of a matchup zone. You know, when you get uh, when your man goes to set a screen, and the guy using that screen ends up becoming the guy that you guard, which is switching screens. There's just no room. And they have great length and wingspan and athleticism on the perimeter. You know, people who have said that Maryland's not talented, that's really an exaggeration. They just don't have size and they don't have Anthony Cowan at point guard. You know, they don't have Sticks and Cowan, and they didn't really replace Sticks and Cowan. But Maryland has made hay when they've been able to really shut teams down, and they have shut teams down, and they've shut teams down that rely on one player. You know, Marcus Carr from Minnesota, as an example. You know, when when they ha- and Marcus Carr did well against them, but they were able to essentially shut down everything else and even make him shoot poorly. And James Booknight is the guy. All right, he's 6'5, he's got length, he's able to score in a lot of different ways. When Yukon uh, has had him, they've won games. When he's been injured or when he's shot poorly, they've lost games. He shot poorly against Creighton in the Big East tournament, was 4 for 14 from the field. Um, and that was the difference in a 59-56 win over UConn. That's the kind of game Maryland's going to have to play. Their perimeter defense is going to have to be outstanding, as it as it has been. Now, their uh, point guard, R.J. Cole, is iffy for today's game. That would be a real loss for them. Their freshman, uh, uh, Sinago, 6'9", 250, Maryland recruited the hell out of him, and he went to UConn, um, and he uh, is a is a threat. He's got some length. He can be a defender, um, and I, you know, I, I think that's one of those things where Maryland's going to have to keep him and Isaiah Whaley, their senior forward, who's also 6'9", and long, and by the way, an excellent defender. They're going to have to keep him off the boards, but the bottom line is this. Daryl Morcell and their switching defense with their wings on book night, 
keeping him under wraps, and then making shots, not having the super long drought that Maryland can have offensively, which can really knock them out of the game. If they shoot it well or well enough and they don't have the long drought and they defend the way they've been defending, and by the way, rebound the way they've been rebounding, I think they have a really good chance to win this game. I also think um, in their smaller lineup, with Dante Scott pulling Sanago away from the rim, if that's the matchup, or if it's Whaley, I think Scott could end up with a really big game from deep today. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And the one suggestion I would just say um, to, to, to Maryland is don't let Dante Scott start putting the ball on the floor out on the perimeter. Have him take those open threes. I know you want to work a defense and you want to move the ball side to side and you want to reverse the ball and make somebody defend. There are too many of those possessions that end in bad shots or turnovers when Dante Scott's got an open three against a big who has not come out to guard him and Scott is an excellent three-point shooter. He's going to get open looks. This is a big deal for Maryland today. Dante Scott knocking down threes. Um, anyway, uh, you know, the the other thing with Maryland is occasionally they aren't great at the free throw line. And I think two defensive teams, there are going to be some fouls in this game. There are going to be some free throws in this game. Maryland's been very effective in their wins getting to the free throw line and, and, and converting. And in their losses, they have gotten to the free throw line and not shot well. Um, but This is a very interesting matchup. Not the greatest matchup for Maryland. UConn isn't one of the teams I wanted to play. They are very tough defensively, and they've got an exceptional scoring guard, which really pays in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think Ayala, Scott, big days. Hopefully Wiggins can really get it going as well. And Maryland, if they get a sizable lead, which they seem to to get against everybody early or or recently they have, Michigan last week in the semifinals, Penn State in their final regular season game, Northwestern they jumped out to a big lead. They've got to really keep the foot on the pedal. Um, UConn's one of those teams, if they get going and Book Knight gets going, they're capable of scoring a lot more than Maryland scored in any of their games this year. Maryland wins a game in the 60s. UConn wins a game in the, you know, call it mid-70s plus. You know, I think that's the way it goes. I, I like Maryland in a real close 65-64 to 64, uh, game um, to advance to the second round. Uh, by the way, I think UConn has a better shot at Bama if they advance. I would give them a really good shot at Bama if they advance. Um, but I don't think Maryland's going to be overmatched um, in that game either. Um I like Maryland plus the three as a lean, uh, not official smell test, but um, very much looking forward to tonight. And really, you know, those of you that follow Maryland basketball, it's true. This could be a very big game for Mark Turgeon. Getting a win tonight and advancing to a second-round matchup in a year where it looked like they weren't a tournament team on paper going in, and then at 4-9 and nine, were definitely not a tournament team. To get this team to the big dance to win a game um, would be huge. He needs an extension needs one from Damon Evans um, if he's going to continue at Maryland. Without that extension, it gets really dicey at the end of this season. I think he would have had the extension last year, and I think some of that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, but this this has a rough and tumble, tough, 
you know, uh, game, defensive kind of game written all over it. Of course, you know, typically when that happens, we'll probably see 82 to 80. Uh, But uh, in all honesty, Turley and Turgeon actually coach in very similar fashions. Both of their teams are tough, hard-nosed, physical, very good defensively. Uh, They just have a guy that's more capable of going off in a game in James Booknight. All right, uh, that's it uh, for the day. Uh, Monday with Cooley, we'll do Chris Samuel. We'll talk about Chris Samuel's um, uh, press conference, which I really enjoyed um, from yesterday. Same with, with Jackson's press conference as well. I will put out a smell test for tomorrow's picks sort of late morning. Uh, enjoy the day. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.